Welcome back for another episode of The Break Room. I'm your host, Morgan Hensley, and in this episode, we'll examine the importance of and trends in revenue cycle management, as well as insights and tips to help independent practices optimize their revenue integrity. From patient access to provider reimbursements, revenue cycle management impacts nearly every aspect of healthcare. A recent report valued the industry at $126.1 billion and forecasted a 10-plus percent growth rate over the coming decade. Driving this boom is the need for RCM systems that streamline workflows, comply with ever-changing policies and regulations, ensure accurate and timely payments, and keep pace with healthcare's ongoing digital and technological transformation. Here with me today to discuss these innovations and challenges is Melanie Serranto, Vice President of Revenue Cycle Management at Privia Health. Our conversation explores the potential benefits and key criteria of an RCM partner, RCM's role in building trust in the doctor-patient relationship, the impact of training and technology support, and much more. And with that, let's start the show. Good morning, Melanie, and welcome to The Break Room. I'm so grateful to have you on to discuss RCM. Revenue cycle management is a massive, vital part of healthcare that impacts nearly every aspect of the industry. So to start us off, could you please share your working definition of revenue cycle management and its key components? Sure. And Morgan, I just want to start off by thanking you for allowing me the opportunity to talk about revenue cycle management. It is definitely near and dear to my heart. Um, With over 20 years of experience in the RCM arena, I find it a pleasure to always talk about what RCM entails, the challenges that we're facing, and how we need to think about RCM when we're integrating or opening practices. So when defining the key components of revenue cycle management, it really entails everything from registering a patient by gathering their demographic and insurance information, all the way through payment and adjudication of the claim. So this also includes checking in and checking out patients, eligibility, charting and dictation, charge entry, coding, claim submission, billing, collections, denials, and appeals. So I know that was a lot, but ultimately those are all the key components to consider. Yeah, thank you, Melanie. When discussing a concept as wide-reaching and essential as revenue cycle management, it's definitely helpful to get clear on definitions. Two areas in which revenue cycle management plays a huge role are patient satisfaction and practice operations. So uh, how can revenue cycle management impact uh, positively and negatively these two dimensions? Yeah, that's a really great question. From a patient satisfaction perspective, when you do it right, your patients will have peace of mind in knowing that they're maximizing their insurance benefits. They gain further trust in their relationship with their provider, and ultimately they have a seamless experience. They go in for treatment, know what their benefits entail, and if they have any out-of-pocket costs for deductible copay or co-insurance amounts, and hopefully only get a notification from their insurance that their claim has been processed as expected. When you do it wrong, the patient will know way more than they ever wanted to about the process. That may mean they get a denial from their insurance company, or they may get an unexpected bill for services, or even worse, 
one negative experience may prevent them from ever going back to that provider and possibly even foregoing care in the future that they may need. From a practice operations perspective, when your workflows and processes are optimized, providers will spend less time on reimbursement and revenue cycle nuances and more time treating patients as they should. And that's, that's why they started practicing medicine, right? Um, is so that they can take care of their patients. When practice operations are not optimized, you'll find front-end errors that lead to downstream effects that negatively impact and ultimately delay or prevent the reimbursements of services. So, you know, to your point, definitely can have positive and negative impacts from both of those dimensions. Absolutely. That trust and satisfaction are so important to the doctor-patient relationship uh, in, in health outcomes. Now, while revenue cycle management is still, of course, important to hospital and health system operations, I'd love to hear your perspective on RCM as it applies to independent practices, where providers and staff are often juggling multiple roles and responsibilities. So what are the main challenges that independent practices face when it comes to revenue cycle management? In my opinion, the main challenge is keeping the doors open. You know, as you talked about, they're asked to wear many hats and it's hard to be an expert in everything. And independent practices are forced to be just that. Providers are expected to worry about things like credentialing, you know, registering, enrolling, and enrolling themselves with the payers that they'll be billing and accepting, optimizing workflows as we you know, discussed. And on top of doing what they do best, which is treating and caring for their patients, you know, in addition, they have to focus on you know, contracting with national and local payers, compliance, and the list really can go on and on when you factor in all of the RCM functions that I initially outlined when I talked about patient registration, charting, coding, et cetera. And if I'm being completely honest, navigating the RCM process can be a love-hate relationship because it is so complex. That complexity can certainly distract and detract from caring for patients. To spend more time and energy on patient care while bolstering revenue integrity and performance, some independent practices choose to partner uh, with an organization that excels in revenue cycle management. My question then is, what services and qualities should practices consider uh, when evaluating a potential partner? It's definitely a not, it's not a decision to take lightly. So first and foremost, you want a partner with a proven track record that shows not only stability, but proven financial results. A business partner that is forward-thinking and integrated with top-of-the-line systems and technology, someone who's focused on compliance and has the checks and balances in place to ensure they're inspecting what they're expecting. And that could mean that they've got extensive audits in place to monitor payer performance, coding, and working as a partner to consistently provide training and education, as we know the healthcare arena is constantly evolving. And ultimately, you want a partner that's willing to meet you in the middle and consider you know, what it's gonna take for you to run a successful practice and someone that um, doesn't try to make you fit into their box, but rather allows you the flexibility to choose what model and services work best for you and your practice. 
And that's what makes Privia unique is that we do have the ability to flex where needed. And we've spent years optimizing workflows and technology and have a variety of services to help in many of the key practice operations. Your mention of a, a proven track record dovetails perfectly into uh, my next question here. The Healthcare Financial Management Association's MAP Award is one of the most prestigious distinctions in the world of revenue cycle management. This award recognizes organizations that meet or exceed uh, industry benchmarks, uh, follow patient-centered recommendations and best practices, and achieve outstanding uh, patient satisfaction. And in 2022, Privia Health received this coveted award for the seventh consecutive year. So I'm wondering what factors contribute to this consistent success? Yes, and it was an exciting win. You know, we go into it pretty optimistic just given our track record, but obviously there are some nerves about, you know, is this year going to be another year that we do win? Um, you know, but when you think about the factors that contribute to previous success, it is really kind of a broad question that I could spend probably all day um, really talking about and answering, but I'll do my best to keep it short and try to summarize. Um, first and foremost, I think I have to give credit to the leaders that have come before me and the incredible teams that we have in place today. You know, when they say it takes a village, it really does. Uh, and everybody has their, or their role and their responsibilities that they have to account for. And the passion and pride that each Caribbean exerts on a daily basis can really tell the story all by itself. With the significant growth the company has experienced and the partnerships that we've continued to gain, we really have to be a well-oiled machine. This means we not only monitor performance tightly, but we also focus on employee satisfaction, training, and development. We spend time actually looking at those 1% to 2% error rates and digging into processes that drive any type of provider or patient dissatisfaction. You know, where other organizations may not have time to look at the one and two percent error rate, you know, they're looking at the 30 and 40 percent error rates, which we've already gone through and optimized. We really are never satisfied with being a top performer and believe there's always room for improvement. And with that, we continue to strive for excellence. So that means we have to stay on top of the changes being made in the healthcare landscape and proactively work to meet government requirements early and ahead of deadlines. Are we perfect? No, you know, not by any means, but we do what we do very well and are very proud of it. Some of our best practices that we have put into place include you know, monthly performance readouts, um, continuous improvement initiatives, and, and as we talked about kind of those best practices of revenue integrity audits, coding audits, um, just to name a few. The other thing I would say is um, culture is also very important to us, and we spend a ton of time working on DEI initiatives, which allow our team members to show up as their authentic and whole selves every day. And ultimately, we stay in a space where we're always focused on making things better, and we owe it to our employees, providers, patients, business partners, and shareholders to do so. Absolutely. That continual pursuit of excellence can truly yield amazing results. Now, that consistency explains the 
seven-year streak, but I'm wondering now what projects, processes, and metrics this specific performance year's win highlighted. This year's win highlighted work that we did specifically around COVID, telehealth, um, the No Surprise Billing Act, and having remote and hybrid employees and what that looked like for Privia. One of our big call-outs was the National COVID-19 Workbook that we put together. You know, with COVID, we face a new challenge of payer criteria evolving at a rapid rate with tons of variability that we had to account for. New policies were being launched left and right that not only included COVID treatment, but also telehealth changes and regulations. And we needed a centralized location to store and track information. It's so much information coming at us um, from every angle that in order to stay on top of it, we started with our coding team, um, identifying the impacted COVID and telehealth codes we needed to be on top of. We then deployed resources to start collecting payer-specific information and gathering that information in one place. And once we had enough information to get started where we had a really good uh, foundation, we started sharing that with all of our providers and, and care centers throughout the nation. We use newsletters and web webinars, and it was very well received. And having a centralized location that served as an extensive resource tool of everything we knew, and even the things that we didn't know that we were still researching, was essential in managing the RCM process. For our care centers and providers, it was like having a phone-a-friend lifeline um, available 24-7. And you know, as I mentioned, it was very well received because um, everyone knew where to look. And that was the latest and the greatest we had um, real time. From a hybrid and remote perspective, we already had remote and hybrid employees in place for years. So we were easily able to adapt to a fully remote environment. This allowed us to provide consistent and reliable service to our providers and our customers during those uncertain times. And in addition to that, um, to ensure that our team stayed close, we implemented weekly RCM touch bases, which helped to kind of ease anyone's mind, uh, provided a forum to answer questions, and really allowed our non-remote employees who had not been used to um, you know, hybrid or working remote a way to remain connected. We also partnered with our analytics team to specifically look for you know, trends or things that we needed to stay on top of from a performance perspective um, so that we could remain operational and, and viable. And for this latest win, I would I think those are the main things that stood out over previous years. Again, really a huge testament to all the teamwork that it takes to get things um, done well. As you said earlier, it, it takes a village and an integrated, aligned, communicative uh, village at that. Now, you noted changes to telehealth, and I'd like to explore that in a little more depth. As we're all well aware, telehealth utilization skyrocketed during the pandemic. Uh, One report by McKinsey estimates that uh, as a result of the pandemic, physicians saw between 50 to 175 times more patients via telehealth, which helped keep patients connected while preserving practice revenue. So uh, what challenges did this telehealth boom cause from an RCM perspective? 
And how did Privia help solve these challenges? It's definitely no secret that the pandemic skyrocketed the use of telehealth services. And I think we all should take a minute to be grateful that we live in a day and age where the technology to allow this type of treatment exists, right? Because um, it totally uh, was a change and a shift, as you mentioned. And from an insurance and RCM perspective, where telehealth was not widely covered by insurance providers previously, the pandemic left them with no choice but to cover it. So this was a huge win for providers and patients. And just like companies are now more remote than ever, the same holds true for the future of telehealth. It's not going away, right? We've got a taste of it. We've proven that quality care can be rendered whether in person or virtually when warranted. And from an RCM perspective, the transition to telehealth was anything but graceful. Um, similarly to what I discussed with the COVID-19 workbook, payers had quite a bit of variability in how they wanted claims to be filed. Everything from um, different types of places service codes they wanted billed and um, claim reimbursement rate was in question. And we were asking questions and researching if they were going to pay the comparable E&M reimbursement rate for an office visit, or was it going to be a reduced amount? And we had no control over those things, right? Um, patients had no control over those things. Um, we also had to consider how government funding was going to work and understanding the health and human service you know, requirements for coverage and billing was, was really a whole new environment that we were exploring and learning as we went along. We also had states that put laws in place that trump standard payer reimbursement practices. So that added an extra layer of complexity to the matter. Um, and in all of those instances, we ensured that we stayed close to the you know, evolving payer changes and regularly monitored payer performance to find and investigate really anything that stood out to us. Um, we spent many hours meeting with payers to raise and address concerns. And we did that on behalf of all of our customers. I think that um, was really a big win for our physicians and, and really helped to ease the burden of delayed revenue. And we showed and demonstrated that we were in it together. Working together to aggregate all of that information into a single uh, organized, reliable resource sounds like both a Herculean effort and a huge benefit to care teams and their patients, especially during that confusing, complex time. Unfortunately, the pandemic's impact caused many private practices to close. According to RevCycle Intelligence, data shows that by July of 2020, 8% of physicians had closed their practices, and the majority of physicians worried that COVID-19 reduce the number of independent practices in their communities. So my question to you is, how did support for revenue cycle management help struggling practices preserve cash flow to remain open uh, amid these turbulent times and uncertain financial futures? Yeah, we definitely heard stories of physician practices closing their doors and physicians that perhaps chose to retire early because they didn't think they would be able to sustain keeping their doors open. And to your point regarding the concern with the number of independent practices closing their doors, unless you were a patient personally impacted, 
I'm not sure how many people recognized that that too was a big risk and concern for them and their local community. It was a difficult and unfortunate time indeed, and we recognize that. So we did what we knew how to do best and really leaned on our provider communication skills and our metrics. So we put performance dashboards in place that specifically targeted declining metrics and KPIs. And when we found a struggling practice, we deployed our regional resources to meet with the care center and develop an action plan that addressed everything from staff turnover and scheduling to maximizing workflows. I'm fortunate to say that we've really worked on driving those personal relationships and, and partnerships. Going that extra mile really highlights the potential value of a partnership. Uh, and I'm sure those practices were extremely grateful for your team's hard work. Shifting gears for a minute, I'd like to ask what exciting technological innovation is happening in the revenue cycle management space? Well, in revenue cycle management as a whole, technology really is uh, playing such a robust role in and of itself. You know, at Privia, part of our mission is to employ proprietary technology that supports a first-rate patient experience. And so we do pride ourselves on having that robust, user-friendly, and streamlined EHR system in place. And when I spoke previously about staying in a space of constant improvement, we're surrounded in a world of technology. And when I think about the innovation that is currently in the works outside of looking at how we can continue to enhance our EHR, because that's always a hot topic for us, um, we also have and continue to build robotic process automation where we can. So anything that a person has to do manually and they do that on a daily or weekly basis, even a monthly basis is up for discussion. And we really aim to reduce manual and mundane processes. So things like automating credit card refunds or auto transferring unapplied payments to open balances are newer bots that we've been able to implement. And I know we are talking about technology, but I also would like to add that it isn't just technology that we're innovating. It's also our service offerings and service offerings are becoming more and more important. So we now have three new services called Scribe Plus, Coder Plus, and Biller Plus that really aim to reduce the burden placed on providers today. So Scribe Plus eliminates note-taking and dictation and integrates directly into our EHR. Um, Coder Plus offers coding and claim creation services that improve coding accuracy and revenue capture. And Biller Plus takes on claim management to help in reduced denials and faster revenue recognition. So I would say from a Privia perspective, we're really innovating both in the technology space as well as the service offering space. From robotics to EHR integrated software, there are so many technologies that can help doctors focus more time and energy on what they do best, uh, which is, uh, of course, caring for and nurturing relationships with their patients. It, and technology is a powerful tool for improving uh, rev cycle performance, but an equally critical tool is training, uh, especially as value-based care progresses and consequently shifts uh, payment policies. So uh, what types of training can help improve independent practices, RCM procedures? 
That's a really great, great question. And I would say, um, you know, training and education are vital to the success of uh, practice operations. And it's not a one and done, right? It's, it's continuous. Uh, revenue cycle management, I like to say, isn't rocket science, but it is complex. And with evolving payer requirements, you know, emerging telehealth policies that we talked about earlier, and those value-based care models um, coming into place on top of staff turnover, having a robust training plan is really important. At a minimum, an independent practice will need training around the what does best practice look like for pre-visit requirements, such as gathering patient demographics, consent forms, you know, co-pays, insurance information, eligibility, and prior authorization at times when it's needed. There should be training in place for coding education as well. And to close the loop, training will be needed for those team members responsible for claims management to include billing and collections. And to take it to the next level outside of those uh, basic necessities, risk adjustment coding education should also be a top priority. So the correct reporting of diagnosis codes is essential to accurately assessing a patient's health status and in turn optimizing your reimbursement. Yeah, training is so valuable to gaining a better understanding and and making continual improvements. Speaking of understanding, I, and I think I speak for our listeners here, certainly have a greater understanding of the crucial role revenue cycle management plays in operating a high-performing independent practice, as well as in the healthcare ecosystem more broadly. So with that, Melanie, Thank you so much for coming on The Break Room to share your expertise and perspective with our listeners. Thank you, Morgan. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning into The Break Room today. You can find content by our guests, as well as many other physicians and healthcare industry thought leaders on Informed, the blog by Privia Health. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and blog to stay up to date on all things healthcare. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I will see you next time for another episode of The Break Room. So stay tuned.